Hey there, Ruby fans. Welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux here on Rooster Team Radio. Welcome to part two of our Q&A spectacular. Woo! Uh, <laughs> all four of us in sequence. You're welcome. <laughs> we are we are still in the process of answering all of the questions that you guys submitted um, when we called out for discussion topics at the end of volume eight. So guys, uh, let's not waste any time. Please step into our humble abode and let me introduce my <laughs> fantastic co-host. Joining us tonight is the wonderful Katie Cullen. We did that backwards and I was very confused and worried for a second there. I just wanted to come inside before we really, like it's overcast, it's drizzling. I just wanted to be inside where it's nice and safe. Okay. <laughs> Given the this is big weird... energy. Just I'm <laughs> yeah. just feeling it. I'm here for it. Given the non-Euclidean architecture of this house, I'm not entirely certain it's safe. Well, non-Euclidean is just anything on a curve. Uh, help me. What's the term for the weird shit we got going on? <laughs> Cardacy. <laughs> sure. I like that. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. It's a science term. Also joining us is the lovely Stacy Shuttleworth. I'm just going to keep wandering around the halls of our beautiful mansion and wandering into various rooms and, you know, thinking. <laughs> Are you dressed in ghostly white and longing for someone you've lost? I am, I am. I even have a candle that sways in the non-existent breeze. Holy mm-hmm. shit. You really went for it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Missing. So we've got House of Leaves and Haunted <laughs> Mansion and Mark, what's yours? <laughs> That's right. We are joined by the wonderful Mark Internet's Mark B. Donica. Yeah, I'm from I'm from the house. <laughs> the spook spooky house. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, the crypt okay, doors Mark. are crypts and the crypt doors are creeks. I mean, you're just wrapped up in all of the red string that you've been trying to connect. Yeah, I'm a red mummy. I'm a blood mummy. Spoops come out for a wake and swing. I am totally digging this. Uh, <laughs> this totally not copyrighted existing ghost song. So I. This is a 100% that, that place where parents are like, we're going to go to Disneyland this year. <laughs> And then they see the price and they go, we're, oh, no. And they see a spooky house on the side of the road and they go, guess what, kids? It's, this is the Haunted Mansion. So it's basically driving the family to Happy World Land for the summer and then only going on the tram before going 80 home. bucks a pop isn't that bad. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it was in the early 90s. Inflation. Hell of a drug. Uh- all right, we are we are gonna try to keep the tangents to a bit of a minimum tonight. Are we, we we don't have it in us to go as long as we did last week for our part one of our Q and A stuff. But I do want to point out that I actually did have a relative who a, a younger cousin who came to visit um, multiple years ago, who uh, thought that the haunt like this particular house of horrors uh attraction that was at universal studios a couple years ago um thought it was the haunted mansion and so had thought oh i've been on the haunted mansion before totally not scary and then um 
very quickly, like right around the time that Chucky jumped out at him, uh, realized that he was mistaken and that he was in fact scared. <laughs> Dear God, get that doll away from me at all times. He did better than me, though. I was the one that got 10 seconds into the Walking Dead attraction, which, by the way, was not enough to get completely out of the queue before I went, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Doubled back and chilled outside with the girl in Hufflepuff getup while we waited for our respective parties to come out the other side. <laughs> well, don't you worry, Katie. That attraction is long gone already. <laughs> is it? I think it's still out here. Don't they have no, like a seven-year contract gone. Shit? No, it's the Secret Life of Pets now. <laughs> well, who knows? I might double back after the first 10 seconds on that queue, too. <laughs> anyway, who are you? <laughs> I'm Megan Salinas. And guys- Who are yes- any of us? <laughs> who are any of us, really? What does it Indeed. mean to be alive? What does it mean to be a person? Well, maybe if those questions were submitted, we'll get to those. But for right now, we, again, we want to say thank you so, so much to everybody who submitted questions. Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and get the ball rolling. Uh, you know we're going to have people now who submit those <laughs> questions. They're going to be like, I have a new question for the podcast. Why are we alive? <laughs> What are we doing as people? Why does it matter? Why is there a plant here? What is he doing? What's his purpose? It's a real shame we already closed all the submissions. We did. (laughs) Although I will say I am legit surprised nobody submitted the question. Do you ever wonder why we're here? (laughs) (laughs) Wrong podcast? (laughs) Um, Anyway, let's go ahead and get the ball rolling with a couple questions regarding Ironwood. Uh, that's kind of where we left off uh, in our discussion last week. So we have uh, we have a couple talking specifically about Ironwood's character arc and his fall from grace and the criticism surrounding um, that. Uh, so we have one question here from Max S. Fox 23, which I know I'm pronouncing incorrectly. So, so, so sorry. So, 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 so sorry. But the question is, here's one many of us would like to hear. Overall thoughts on criticism toward Ironwood's character arc until his demise. And this kind of goes hand in hand with another question we got from Chris Sarasaurus, a.k.a. Chris Campbell. I know Ironwood is being discussed ad nauseum, but I was truly caught off guard by the fandom's reaction to his decisions. Have so few people... Uh, been exposed to an authoritarian personality. Half the people above me when I worked in corrections were just like him, and it was honestly eerie. And a uh, special shout out to T and Vines as well, who engaged with Chris in a little discussion um, on that particular topic. Uh, so yeah, guys, Ironwood, his his character arc um, and his ultimate downfall, and the fandom's reaction to it. Um, Let's go ahead and start with Mark. What did you think of his arc, and what do you think of the critique surrounding his arc? I think the critiques are a little unfounded. I mean, it, it's not a sense of it's it's not as bad. And I know I'm opening up a can of worms with this. It's not as bad as as the Adam criticisms, where I'm not. No, I'm not even gonna. That's my comment on that. But in the sense of like. Uh, similarly to how I, I mentioned there are certain times for criticisms and certain um, certain criticisms that, that should be brought to light in various situations. Now that we have 
the arc now that we have his story in the larger story i think it's 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 fair enough to to talk about it i don't think that the hmm, i i i it, it it's not necess- it doesn't seem like criticism to me as much as it is personal preference like yes there is uh, opportunity with certain characters in certain situations to discuss them in the vein of other characters whether it be in the same show or counting him amongst other villains but i, I think his arc fit precisely to where it needed to be in the sense of we're getting different sides of the spectrum when it comes to, well, I guess nobody's on the inside anymore, but people on the inside, people who knew about Salem, people who knew about the the real way of the world, so to speak. And compared to Leo, who groveled and, and did everything that he can to stay alive, much to the detriment of the world, here is somebody that was ready ready to to get himself killed in in order to uh save the world and to that end played right into Salem's hand anyway and i think that that sort of dichotomy between him and leo is an interesting thing to look at and maybe if we have 3 hours one day we can talk about it but no we probably won't but i i, I was a big fan of Ironwood as a character. Did I like the things that he did to certain, you know, to our heroes? No, but I think that's what made him a good villain in the end. And uh, especially in at a time when we didn't know if we could trust Ozpin or it, like the little glimpses that we got of the true nature of James sprinkled in to, up until the final um chicago style fossey-esque reveal with the backlight i i think it was very well handled very well handled and amongst the villains in this show it should and, and it also proved sorry I'm, I'm all over the place but it proved that it i think it also validated hazel's arc which i know we talked about in the last uh the last episode go listen to that if you're knew that this would be weird to start with part two but um in the sense of hazel was deep to the point where he was torturing a child and he came out and bought our heroes heroes some time whereas james was allied with ospin and fell all the way down to the point where he couldn't do he could he could barely lift a finger and presumably he's dead but we don't necessarily know that and and in terms of this arc you know i I think it was very well done very well done i i want to make a he's dead jim joke here but he is jim (laughs) he's dead period jim period (laughs) he jim is dead there you go let's conjugate those verbs Oh, poor Jimmy Jim, 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 Jimmy Jim. I'm not Jimmy Jim. <laughs> Owner of the Jimsdale Jim, Jim Dome. <laughs> That's two completely different properties, and I'm here for both of them. I'm dabbing so hard. <laughs> Whereas Jim, I just want to go Jim, watch Jimmy Muppet Jim, Treasure Island. Jimmy Jim, Jim, Jimmy Jim, Jimmy Jim, Jimmy Jim, Jimsdale Jim Dome. Stacy, how about you? What did you think? Oh, oh I'm following that up. <laughs> I can follow that up if you want to write. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'll take the fall for that. 
not we're fine um, <laughs> I think that watching people's reactions to Ironwood's arc um, almost highlights how complete of a story we were given with Ironwood we spent a long time with Ironwood as one of our characters we've been through a lot with him and we've been exposed to many different facets of his personality over the various volumes and we've had this conversation many times in past episodes where he had the potential to swing either way there was great good in him and also this great darkness and cruelty and so watching the way he fell into that cruelty and kind of caves to desperation and gives into all of those kind of baser fears is difficult to bear uh especially for a character that was presented with so much power with success he had all of the pieces to be a great hero he had a you know robust support system we saw him in moments of tenderness and support to you know the kids that we had grown attached to and so watching him dip into cynicism I think inspires a lot of strong reactions. Uh, so in the sense that, yeah, I feel like a lot of the criticism comes from a place of being upset with, you know, not having Ironwood pull through and choose goodness. Uh, I do think that the arc was absolutely beautifully handled and we were exposed to, every step of the way that we can follow his decision making and yes while it was completely possible for him to go one way or the other to make a different decision uh ultimately he did not and ultimately we watch him abandon you know his optimism and the support system and become our great villain in the end yeah, he's, yeah, it's one of those things where I think people confuse um, tragedy with um, with overall quality. They're like, oh, this is a thing that is tragic and it made me sad, therefore it's bad. And, you know, in the hyper-reactive nature of the internet, especially, where, you know, Twitter doesn't necessarily allow for nuanced conversations <laughs> all the time. Um, yeah, I, we can, we'll talk more about that, but, uh, Katie, what about you? What did you think? I have said more than once on this podcast, and hi, if you're new, I'm going to say it again, <laughs> that I think that Ironwood's arc was incredibly well done. And I'm, I'm going to trot this little bit out again. So, you know, take a drink, I guess. It is very, very difficult to plot the arc of a very complex character taking in mind what the base of their character is, what has formed them to become that way, and what is happening at the time bouncing off of who they are as a person. So it's a matter of keeping track of the base, the arc, the current events, everything going on, and making it work for everyone. And the fact that Kruby was able to work with Ironwood and was able to write Ironwood to such a degree 
that for what that we understood why he did all these things. It was very much cool motive still genocide, but we understood how he got there. We understood why he was making those decisions. And then towards the end, when he got knocked out, we were sitting here going, is his semblance still on? Do we know? It is a 50-50 shot whether or not he wakes up and chooses violence or wakes up and tries to solve problems on purpose. And we would buy it either way. It would be in character either way. It is incredibly difficult to construct an arc like that. That is a feat of writing. And I am thoroughly impressed that Kruby was able to do that because that is super ridiculously difficult, especially in a show this big where you are juggling. I want to say we have two dozen named characters at least with a lot of screen time individually that we were working with this volume, like at least two dozen named characters. And they were amazing at balancing them all. So this is not an easy thing to do. And Megan and I were chatting about this a little earlier, talking about how we saw the seeds of this when we met him in volume three, that he wasn't super fond of the way Oz was approaching things, that he had a different point of view. And we saw those first bits of, oh, this is what, this is what happens. This is how he reacts when his mechanical soldiers get hacked. So we already had the seeds for this. We knew where this was going. And we did see, like Stacy said, we saw him be nurturing, we saw him be kind, but we also saw that happen in a kingdom that he thought was under his control. He thought that everyone was being honest with him, he thought that they had time, he thought that he was doing the right thing, and nobody was telling him no. So that's the Ironwood that we saw when everything was going well. When everything went to hell, that's when you start seeing like the core of a person's character. How do they react in these adverse situations? And he fell apart. That's not saying that, oh, he's a bad person. That's not saying that, oh, he's not well-constructed. It's, we saw this. We saw the seeds of the paranoia and the authoritarianism. We saw that coming through. And we saw that in season seven with the, we need to make a choice how much information to trust him with. Because... Look at the lockdown he's imposed. Look at the embargo. Like, these are the acts of a scared man, and we need to know how to handle that. So the fact that he went off the rails and then his semblance kicked in and kept him off the rails is tragic, but incredibly well done, well tracked, well everything. So in terms of fandom reaction... Yeah, I have opinions. Um, I think that a lot of it is knee-jerk. I think that a lot of it is people who really, really liked Ironwood and were not happy with the direction that his character took, and I can understand that. Like, I've definitely had characters where it's like, I like this character, and then something happens, and I'm like, this is in character, but also, I hate this. Please stop. Why would you do this to me? This was my favorite. What? What? You, you you broke it. And no, generally, it's it's in character for them. It's something that could happen. It just sucks when a character that you really like goes down a path that you really don't, even if it's fitting for their character. Like, I understand that. That said, 
I keep getting some 25-minute hot take in my YouTube recommendations about how Kruby ruined Ironwood, and I'm not down for that shit. I'm not. I just, I personally am very tired of it didn't do what I wanted, therefore it's bad. I didn't do what I liked, therefore it's ruined. A character took a turn for the worse, therefore this was done poorly. Or maybe you could accept that Ironwood has always had some massive flaws and that the whole conceit of him being a tin man is that he didn't have a heart in much the same way that the cowardly lion didn't have courage. And, you know, maybe people can be manipulated by their flaws and maybe someone who's been around for fucking eons has gotten really good at manipulating other people. Like, I, I just, yeah. There is a certain amount of discussion and dissent and dissatisfaction that I am here for because you're allowed to have an opinion. It's fine. But there's a point where your opinion contradicts reality that I stop caring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not not to sound like a, a broken record, but I very much agree with all of those sentiments. I think what's important to sort of take away from Ironwood's arc, and look, I'm right there with you guys. I was prob I'm probably the biggest Ironwood fangirl on this podcast. You are. <laughs> you are. You know me. I love my Iron Daddy. Um, but the important thing to so so I to to reiterate your point and the point that Stacy was making, I I definitely understand that very emotional knee jerk reaction of no, I liked this character. I didn't want them to do the thing. Um, why did you make them do the thing? Uh, again, just because it's not it's it's not something. Um, granted, art is subjective. And it's, it's fair to say that if something is not to your taste, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Um, in, in the same way that, as I, I was emphasizing before, just because an element of a story is tragic, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It doesn't make it inherently bad if it's sad. <laughs> and we talked about this, um, too, with, uh, with what happened to Penny and the culmination of her arc and everything like that. It is a tragedy. Um, but it's not, that doesn't mean it was poorly written. And I, I think people can, can kind of get lost in the, the, their emotions when, when stuff like this happens in, in properties that they're really invested in. Um, and, you know, like I said before, the hyper reaction airy nature of, the internet and Twitter in particular, which doesn't always allow for mature conversations, <laughs> I think can be um, kind of problematic. Uh, but anyway, um, the main thing... Oh, you, you want to turn Oh, I, I want to make the point that it's not Twitter that doesn't allow for mature conversations. It's the people in the conversations choosing not to be mature. Twitter has character limits and a weird structure that doesn't always allow for great multi-segmented conversations or a lot of nuance in 280 characters. But if it's immature, that's on the parts of the people participating. 
And that is fair. There are a lot of younger viewers out there who maybe this is their first story dealing with authoritarianism in a very grounded and real way. Um, and that's that I think is the the main thing that we need to take away from Ironwood's uh, from Ironwood's character arc, assuming um as Mark pointed out, assuming that he is dead <laughs> and that we're not going to see him and Watts having miraculously escaped and go on a wacky road trip together. Um, although I would totally watch that. Uh, <laughs> this, like, we need to see his descent and fall from grace as a cautionary tale. And we need to also keep in mind, like, what people in in power ultimately like how they justify their actions um because james at like for for the longest time he did a lot of really messed up stuff even before our heroes got to atlas like closing the borders and doing the embargo and as winter pointed out squeezing mantle until it broke those weren't really great things and even though we saw his humanity and his attempts to just try to hold things together, like while waiting for Ozpin to show back up, like he had the best of intentions, but his methods were ruthless and those weren't good things. Um, and ultimately seeing his, the, the situation escalate and seeing his fear and paranoia and callousness, um, seeing all of that just like continuing to mount as the situation got worse and worse and worse. Um, I, I think it's important to note all of that stuff um, as the story progressed uh, because throughout, even as, as the situation got worse and as he started making worse and worse choices at no point did he ever become a caricature at no point did he ever become he became an antagonist and, and a villain but at no point did he ever become a mustache twirly like even though this is an animated show he didn't become like a generic cartoon character villain um he stayed his portrayal stayed very grounded and it stayed um and it stayed in a, in a way, very authentic. <laughs> um, he, even though he's the Tin Man without a heart, um, who always, you know, pushed aside his emotions and all that jazz, at the end of the day, he's still very human. Very, very human. And I think that's part of, the, like, that's very much the point with this whole story. Uh, and to Chrysarasaurus's point it's a reminder to be aware of how authoritarianism can escalate um, and that it's people who do it. They're not like, like I said, it's people who do it, not cartoon characters. Like you're not going to see like, this is a bad example, but like a bad guy very in real life, very rarely presents himself like an emperor Palpatine. Um, maniacally laughing about all of the terrible stuff that he does. Um, more often, it's, you know, people in power who either don't know or don't care, you know, that that uh, the number of people who get hurt along the way as long as they can ultimately get what they want. And 
even though James's intentions were good on the macro level, the lengths he was willing to go to in order to achieve that quote unquote greater good doesn't justify, <laughs> doesn't, yeah. It, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is a fight. This is a war with Salem. But if you lose your soul along the way, what's the point? Um, and yeah, so <sighs> like I said, tragedy does not equal bad. It's extremely great. And even though it broke my heart to see him go that way, I also just stand back and say bravo because it was beautifully done. You kept saying that he had good intentions and I'm just sitting here going road to hell, road to hell, road to hell. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a there's a reason why uh, why that saying exists. Our next question is from Super Monoman. Where do you think Penny and Ironwood's characters would have gone if they had survived, specifically in James's case? Uh, not and specifically in James's case, not doubled down on what he was doing. Thoughts on both their arcs and the series overall? If we can ask one more question, what theories uh, do you or other people... Oh, what theories um, that you guys or other people had did you like the most? Any predictions about Volume 9? Finally, what major or minor criticisms, if any, did you guys have about Volume 8? That's that a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> Damn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Here, we we appreciate you being really super into this and we're gonna need to break this down on several levels so i well I, I would also say in terms of their arcs we just talked about james's arc and we're going to talk about penny's arc in a, at a later date um in terms of theories that's really hard to go back and think because as soon as the next step at least for me the next episode came and all of my theories were woof, out the window unless there was like a, a little tiny little red thread um, and in terms of predictions about Volume 9, we'll get there. What minor yeah. criticisms do we have about Volume 8? I think we already talked about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in this in this case, I think that first question is a great place to jump off from. Agreed. Uh, Stacy, what do you think? If Penny and Ironwood had survived, what what would what would their character arcs have looked like? Gosh, uh, I think this is an interesting case question especially since we had two very complete character arcs with both penny and ironwood uh that being said i would love to see penny continue to kind of grow and learn about her powers and just get to spend time being happy with all of her friends <laughs> Oof, feels bad <laughs> look i have simple needs <laughs> character happiness <laughs> yes let someone be happy. <laughs> just, just a few of them, maybe. Ruby, volume nine. Let someone be happy. <laughs> maybe no. that's the departure they were talking about. Oh God, actual that's... happiness for our children. <laughs> that's one of in in the intro. One of the cut little sequences was, you know, the happily never after. But it's like happy characters. No, <laughs> you don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> okay realistically with penny i guess i could kind of see her um uh, acting kind of as a bridge moving forward um so had had she not transferred the maiden's powers to winter there would still be a bridge there that they would have to kind of relearn and mend and i think penny would play an integral role in 
making these two very different uh these two factions that operate very very differently see eye to eye and kind of work together um as far as ironwood goes is it kind of terrible that i think even had he chosen the path of light and not you know done terrible mean cruel things i don't know that he has a different fate at the very least he would have still been in prison for like embezzling or something (laughs) right i just i i think even had he got the big scandal embezzlement You know what, if that's the most conflict we get, then that might be a good volume. Forget those murders he he committed. He embezzled like Jacques? How dare he? Unbelievable. Yo, all I'm saying is we've seen stuff like that work out in the real world, so it would be a little bit not fantasy enough. Uh, I, I don't know. I can just see Ironwood having, like, helped and still kind of been cast aside at the end as insignificant. I was just going to say, and I'd be really mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would have definitely been here for Penny learning how to be a real girl arc. Just because, again, do hugs always make you feel this warm? Is like, I'm going to lie on the floor and not move for the next hour. <laughs> See you later. Uh, yeah, that that's what I would have seen for her, but... I agree with Stacy in that we had two complete character arcs here, essentially. Um, I hesitate to say that either of them would have overstayed their welcome, but that's kind of where we are. Um, Ironwood, even if he flipped back around and went, I made a mistake, he still threatened genocide and he was going to do it. He still killed a bunch of people, including a councilman, point blank, just for disagreeing with him. Like, he leapt off a slippery slope. He might have landed in a different place, but you still have to land. And there's no getting back up there. You can't really forgive the world leader who publicly threatened genocide of about half the people that he's supposed to be taking care of. So, yeah, even if he'd lived, I don't see a redemption arc for him. And I don't think he's alive because if the impact didn't kill him, the water did. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that when when he woke up and chose violence again for the umpteenth time, I was like, no, now we're done. He's done. Good night, everybody. Mark, how about you? I still think there's a slight, tiny, insignificant chance that we're going to get an Arnim Zola version of Ironwood where he's all machine. But thematically, <laughs> thematically, I think it would make sense if he was dead at this point. Um, in terms of the question at hand, um, I'm sort of generally echoing everybody else's uh, responses. I, I just more more time of... I. Uh, the moment that I kind of joked about, and then I feel so sorry for what I have done, um, Pietro, like like we never got the moment between Aww. Penny and Pietro of I'm a real girl. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a question that we very successfully dodged last week of wherever the hell they are. But um, I just seeing Penny happy, but at the same time, she was happy to make a choice about her humanity and 
it's hard to look at that and be like, well, her terms, she, she lived, she lived, she lived like that's, that's remarkable. You know, that's, I, you know, sometimes I wish I could say the same for us too, is, is that, is that that's enough. And I think for a lot of, a lot of people watching the show and for maybe this demographic, maybe not as nihilistic as the rest of the world yet, don't worry, you'll get there. But in the (laughs) sense of like, um, we're, we're living and, and, and I'm, I'm just happy that she got to experience that. Whereas James seemed to be going further and further and further inward. It was, it was, it was an opposite trajectory between the two of them. And I, I'm not surprised in the least bit. I don't, I don't think James would have lasted that much longer. Like in the, at the very least, I think the fan response, the fan response of having him show up in vacuo and getting slapped so, so hard by Theodore would have been very entertaining and very earned and very distinct. But now with that expectation gone, I'm interested to see where, what happens then? What, what is Theodore's reaction now? What is, what, what is going to happen when it comes to his uh, legacy? The legacy of Ironwood, I think is going to be something that we're going to see played out in the next couple of seasons. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what people think of him now that he's gone, um, especially because Leo's cowardice was very much covered up. Um, so, whereas uh, Ironwood was pretty, pretty open <laughs> about the terrible things that he was doing. Uh, well, and part of Ruby's global broadcast was Ironwood can no longer be trusted. Mm. Yep, 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 yep. Um, yeah, it, like, uh, to, to ever, to act, to echo everybody's point, um, yeah, both Penny and Ironwood both had complete character arcs, um, and they were both extremely well constructed and very, very well executed. Um, so much so that, like, I can only, like, in ugh, they they feel so complete that I can only tell you the the sort of fanficy spinoffs that I want. <laughs> um for for the au where they both live uh, and for for penny i want that that spin-off series about her being a magical girl but it's it's not like a madoka or like one of those serious magical girl shows it's more comedy based um i want that series uh where she learns about friendship and stuff <laughs> um and gets a cute little transformation sequence whenever she activates the maiden powers um <laughs> i'm, I'm like here? gestures to the past few seasons exactly <laughs> <laughs> but to like really lean into the comedy uh aspect mm. of it uh, like kind of like um that cartoon my life is a teenage robot but like cross out the robot <laughs> and just teenage er <laughs> Pretty I'm good. listening. <laughs> I think it'd be really fun, really cute slice of life with some magical shenanigans thrown in there. Um, oh my god, do I just want WandaVision? But in in, in, in the world of Ruby, Hold I think on, I might want WandaVision. <laughs> this is taking a turn. 
I want something really nice and happy in a different genre. Shit, do I want WandaVision? <laughs> well, grief is allowed to be the enemy. Does that mean that it was Salem all along? <laughs> oh. Oh. Wait, yes, please. <laughs> Salem all along is just Ruby. <laughs> If that parody song doesn't already exist, um, someone needs to change that. Oh, um, <laughs> but for for Ironwood, um, I actually could see a little bit more wiggle room um, in terms of like if somehow by some crazy act of the gods he managed to live. Um, yeah, I, I I kind of echo everybody else's sentiments very much like Hazel. As a as just from like a character writing perspective, you can't really get away with all of the terrible stuff that you've done and make it through the rest of the series unscathed. Um, best case scenario, he would have um, a last minute redemption um, where he would uh, very much like the lyrics of his song, give his life to try to do some good. Um, or to try to make amends in some way, shape, or form. Honestly, I don't think he, I don't think he earned that. <laughs> and I think because he was one of those people who was so dead set about what he was willing to sacrifice, I think it makes a lot of sense not giving him a chance to give his life for the greater good. Um, again, all part of that cautionary tale stuff. Uh, that being said, um, so if he were to live, he would have to answer for the for his crimes, his many, many crimes. Um, and whether that's, uh, yeah, straight up going to jail or exile or, um, you know, just from a more meta narrative, pulling a Hazel and trying to give his life um, to to make up in, in an attempt to make amends. Those are all scenarios I could see play out. But if we're going with the... Um, Penny gets a comedic spinoff, then I would also very much like the comedic spinoff for Iron Daddy, where he does have a wacky road trip with Watts as they go down to Vacuo, and then Theo does punch him in the face <laughs> when when he gets down there. But then ultimately, he and Theo fall in love, and uh, everything is great. <laughs> wow. That, that, that took a turn. <laughs> I told you, we're going full fanfic-y with it. Um, but yeah, uh, so any, <laughs> if some, this is why I need to become a better artist so I can make these things happen. Um, uh, but yeah, oh. just commission people. That's what they're there for. <laughs> Pay artists and get art. We've been Support doing this shit artists. since the Renaissance. <laughs> True story. Uh, do we have any final thoughts on what could have been for Penny and Ironwood before we move on? I mean, your final thoughts were kind of. I think they're leaving everybody with something to think about, whether that's positive or not. <laughs> Either that or I've just left everybody speechless. You legit, I, I unmuted my mic and just sort of stared at it for a second and then muted it again. Because I was just like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Okay, then. then let's move on. Uh, Uncle Baca. At Uncle underscore Baca wrote to us, what's the status of the remnants of the Atlas military? Funky troops, ships, support, etc. It was clearly huntsmen and civilians in the portal realm. 
Winter helped make the plan. Likely some evacuation order was given, no matter how desperate. Wonder when or if they'll return. So yeah, this is a little bit uh, of speculation, I guess, on our part. What is the status of what remains of the Atlas military? Let's go ahead and start with Katie. Honestly, given that Winter was part of the plan, I would imagine that she got word out somehow that something... I don't know in terms of the logistics and what we saw, but I would not be surprised if they were given the evacuation order or if, you know, portals just showed up in the offices after they got the whole Atlas is falling bit and they went, you know what? We should leave. We should leave. Like, just in terms of evacuating everyone, I seriously doubt they would have left the military, which a lot... (laughs) There are a lot of Atlesians who are part of that military. I doubt they would have left that percentage of the population out in the cold. So I would imagine that there were portals made for them too, and we just didn't see them specifically in those portals, but they made it through. Like, I I doubt we just kind of let them die. The assets, yeah, maybe. The people, huh. Mark, how about you? Um, I, I wonder if there's some some sort of a split that happened because I can imagine specifically name dropping Funky. I can imagine that they were in and amongst the people. Um, shit, like we saw, there were a lot of troop boots on the ground, so to speak. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in flight when it came to the the whale fight, the monster fight. And so I I can't imagine that they weren't patrolling. There, there is some some sort of remnant forgive me of the <laughs> the military around and i i think if anything we're in for an almost comedic several episode arc of convincing theodore that everything's cool and then the second they shake hands they look outside and there's the armada being like oh sorry we're late everybody but <laughs> other than that i i can't imagine there's probably some that have traveled al- traveled along and many more, however many that may be, that'll follow up soon afterwards. Stacy, how about you? Yeah, I'll, I'll echo a lot of that. Um, I, I imagine they arranged for portals to just kind of spring up and hope that everyone got the hint. And I think most people got the hint and move through these portals now that does mean we have basically atlas's entire army at least personnel wise now standing in vacuo so that's going to be really interesting depending on how they take that (laughs) (laughs) theo's standing there at the front of the school going come on i'll fight you all (laughs) honestly i believe it and like with with the kind of mindset that the atlas military kind of manifests this could be very like we're here we're ready to go no no you're you're just civilians now in our land please calm down <laughs> winter has her work cut out for her <laughs> the, uh, yeah and the sun is slightly warm <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's gonna be interesting yeah I, I imagine all the people made it through i Maybe there's a subset of the military who's very loyal to Ironwood and thinks just like him, but I don't know. You see a big portal and you hear that your 
city is falling, you go through the portal. Hope for the best on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well. Um, A lot of, possibly a lot of dissenters who were like, dude, this is messed up. They drop all of their gear and run through trying to start a new life. Yeah, I imagine there's a good number who are like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, there there had to have been a number of people who, like, as soon as Ironwood made his ultimatum, you know, pulled a marrow and they were like, I didn't sign up for this man. Um, the, I, I, I also think that the second he was incapacitated, um, he and the, the Aesops were apprehended. Granted, there wasn't a ton of time in between that and when um, uh, Watts, you know, intercepted all all communications and everybody in that communications room um, was dispatched. The yeah, there's there wasn't a ton of time in between those things, but I mean, basically, at this particular point, Winter is the highest ranking member of the military. Uh, like from that point where they threw Ironwood in jail, like she's essentially in command. Um, I don't think they were necessarily able to get those orders out to everybody. What with communications being down. Um, But yeah, I mean the, the message went out, the Atlas is falling portal, magical portals appear. Uh, Yeah. You start, you, you can put two and two together. And if all communications were down, then there's no, I mean, there's no way to verify your orders at that point. So you might as well just, you know, evacuate with the rest of the civilians or aid in some evacuation efforts. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here going like the second they, either people dissented as soon as Ironwood um, made his ultimatum or they started reaching out to headquarters for orders and got no word back and so had to act autonomously. Um, And that probably involved, uh, we need to get out of here since Atlas is about to come crashing down. That's my guess anyway. Um, I'm sure we'll deal once, whether it's next volume or the volume after that, because we don't know how big of a departure next volume is going to be. Um, but like when we finally start dealing with the ramifications of Atlas and Mantle now being at Vacua's doorstep, I'm sure we'll get uh, exposition on exactly <laughs> on exactly all of that. Um, but it's a good question for sure. Before we move on with our next question, I want to talk to you guys really quickly about iTunes. Folks, thank you so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate, subscribe, leave a comment. We love hearing from you, and it really helps us out. Um, you know, we don't advertise, so it really helps us out whenever you guys do stuff like that to help make our podcast more searchable for people who are looking for Rooster Teeth-related content. We love giving shout-outs to people, too. Uh, so if you have left a comment in the iTunes store and you are not uh, in the U.S., please take a screen cap of it and send us a tweet at the rooster team. 
with your review and we will give you a shout out on the show and on that note uh, a good chunk of these questions came from Twitter so if you're not already doing so please be go be sure to go to Twitter and follow us at the rooster team uh, as we we've discussed many times we have a discord which you can join by clicking on the link in the description below we also have a tea public where you can buy t-shirts of the silly things that we say and guys we got some I know we've been teasing this for a couple weeks but we got some really cool merch coming up I'm really excited about it it's going to be uh, when it finally drops it's going to be so so good I cannot wait to personally go to Tee Public and buy it <laughs> that's how excited for it I am I really I really want that <laughs> I, I want to um, get it on a pillow Aww, I I I do too dude, dude <laughs> Tee Public's um, got Matt, like now we're just sort of like inflating our own like BS, but like the the options that T Public has for certain stuff is like perfect for what this is going to be. It's it's going to be great. I want to get it as a shirt. I want to get it as a mask. I want Ooh, all of it. Too spooky. <laughs> Anyway, um, but there are other ways you can support our podcast, not only by engaging with us online and all uh, aiding in all that analytics stuff, but we also have a sponsor for this week's episode. As always, this podcast is sponsored by Fred. He bakes. He does cookies. The cookies are amazing. I don't know about you guys. I could really use some cookies right now. April is cookie season. Every season is cookie season, but April is especially cooking season because I have decreed it so. So obtain your cookies from Fred. He does brown sugar buddies, which are like a cross between a molasses cookie and a ginger snap and a spice cookie. They are chewy. They are delicious. They are wonderful. Highly recommended. If you are still missing those fall flavors, he does maple brown sugar buddies, which are all the goodness of a brown sugar buddy with a hit of maple. And if you prefer the good old chocolate chip cookie, that classic standard, do the big chip buddies. They are huge. They are fluffy. They are full of chocolate chips and they are super, super good. If these all sound incredible to you, he does sampler boxes where you can pick and choose what you would like to order and then order more of your favorite at a later date. If you're like me, all of them are your favorite, and you order all of them at a later date. But for now, to obtain these wonderful cookies that are made fresh, made to order, never frozen, and only available in the one place, you head to fredhebakes.com. That's three words, fredhebakes.com, and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. fredhebakes.com, coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM, treat yourself, you deserve it. Thank you guys so, so much for all of the various ways that you support this podcast. You guys are the best. All right, the next question. This one comes from Danny Costa, aka at Danny Costa underscore 91. How about the citizens of Atlas being kind of clueless about the situation they were in? Like, there were there was a giant whale out there. They were all chilling in the park. Did they truly believe the military could save them, or were they uh, indoctrinated to think that? Um, so, yeah, people of Atlas just hanging out, having a picnic <laughs> as the world comes crashing down. What do we think? Let's start with Mark. Okay, not to get too far into this line of thought but it's been a year in lockdown <laughs> and we there are there are some groups of the world of america that think that everything's just fine and go about their business because person that they find relatively not endearing but like you know some appealing. appealing sure let's go with that 
that just yeah we're we're in a we oh god i can't believe i was about to say it with no sort of hyperbole we live in a society pause for laughter we but we we live in a society that has proved that this is a thing so like at two danny like (laughs) how about the citizens of x state or country like at at this point it's the thing i like i i believe it i i i 100 believe it at this point yeah there's something really true about human nature in and this was written like... before all of that which is crazy <laughs> well even just in the cases of um natural disasters that aren't a pandemic a lot of mm. times people um won't you know immediately panic they'll that you know there will be this odd calm because people don't really believe that this devastating thing um is actually going to affect them uh and i think there's a lot of privilege and entitlement in you know the people who live in atlas who are privileged enough to live in atlas like oh that sort of thing could never happen to me um that sort of thing could never happen to me is a very human sort of thing but even more so when you come from a very privileged place but um anyway uh stacy what do you think fair or not i kind of now have the impression that most of the citizens of atlas just kind of walk around with a constant classical version of hakuna matata playing in their heads (laughs) (laughs) classical or muzak you're right you are right (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i will revise my statement uh and then as soon as this this you know lovely highbrow version gets completely disrupted the only other tune that they can play is just high-pitched screaming and it's one or the other and there's very little in between here (laughs) dude straight up sound design killed it this year with all of that oh so good my god yes yeah, I definitely buy this. This whole you look at the population of Atlas specifically of this literal floating kingdom. So ground-based Grim don't show up because they can't fly, and we have shields to keep the flying Grim away. These are people who do not have to worry about something that literally everyone else has to worry about just by virtue of their location. They are the privileged of the privileged. Like, even the rich, famous, privileged, etc. in other kingdoms are still subject to grim attacks. But, you know, up until the day the whale nation attacked, they thought they were fine. They thought they were impervious. And with that comes not having to worry about outside affairs unless they affect you the capitalism of the embargo and the Schnee dust company mines grinding to a halt. Um, Not having to worry about politics unless they affect you. Not having to worry about whether or not a monster that wants to eat your soul because you had a bad day is going to show up on your doorstep because it's not because you're protected. Ignorance is a privilege in this world and they are extremely privileged up there. So yes, I can absolutely buy that they didn't have a damn clue what was going on in any capacity right up until the, hey, y'all should go underground happened. I can 
absolutely buy that. So then a day in the life of these people, you guys need to go underground, and then Ironwood can't be trusted anymore, and then Atlas is falling, no communication, here's these portals, let's throw a rock at it. It's a rough day for everyone involved, but they are absolutely clueless, and I can absolutely buy that. Because if you don't have to worry about things, why the hell would you? And that's the nap- the end result of that, is the population of Atlas not having a clue when the dangers of the world show up on their previously protected doorstep. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. <laughs> I, I, I think we all pretty much hit the nail on the head of just like, yeah, no, they're privileged. <laughs> they didn't have to worry about it. Um, yeah, do we have any other thoughts on the people of Atlas before moving on? Um, they are in for a rude awakening in vacuum. <laughs> oh my god, vacuums are going to eat them alive. They don't stand a chance. Probably literally too. Yeah. yeah. They hate sand. It's coarse and rough and it gets everywhere. Honestly, I feel like the the Atlesians are going to have just the worst time and the population of Mantle is immediately going to hit the ground running. That that remind like I would like to see the the first like difficult Atlesians that we see to be the people from the art gallery from a couple of volumes ago. <laughs> yes, that would be delightful. Oh my god, let's go. <laughs> LFG baby. Uh, so okay, I love this i <laughs> i can't wait till we see um that particular um culture clash happen so that'll be fun um all right moving on to the next question this one comes from austin chu aka at a chew i sneezed Rhodes says cinder has a couple more years before she can enter the huntsman huntsman exams does Atlas not have a combat school like Vale or Mistral because the military is in charge of all of that? Uh, or would she need the Guardian's permission for that? Um, if, I mean, we know that they have an academy. Uh, Ironwood is uh, the the headmaster of the academy. Um, that that was kind of established. Ooh, what vo- Was that volume three when all of those folks got introduced? Yeah. Like when, when Oz had that speech for everybody or no or was it was it earlier on than that either way it was super early on yeah uh i mean whatever whatever episode they established that there are four kingdoms each with their own huntsman academy um i mean i mean we keep joking about the line but they were going to the dorms when penny was like it'll be just like beacon again (laughs) yeah Uh, i i think that just sort of gets lost um because of how militarized everything was but you know it's basically just a military academy yeah it's still it's still a school but it's just a different style of school yeah it honestly stepping back and looking at that as someone who spent a good chunk of time we lived near a military academy and we very much interacted with some of the students going there the idea that if you're in atlas and you can't go to beacon or any of the other academies that if you want to be a huntsman you wind up in service to the military little fucked up a little bit you can see why weiss chose a different school 
but yeah, it's it's it, it it may be a little bit too much of me overlaying our particular military situation and military academic situation onto a fantasy world. But yeah, the Huntsman Academy at this school is absolutely also a military academy, inextricably so. Um, as far as um, Cinder sort of being stuck until she was old enough to take the exam, I, I mean, not to go back all the way to the first episode of this show, but um, Ruby Rose being... Uh, a little younger than um, the rest of the people on her team is a plot point. Like, Ozpin made a special exception for her because she showed aptitude and because she was a person with silver eyes and he knows exactly what that meant. And who knows, there might have also been a little bit of nepotism there because, um, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, he works with her uncle and um, her mom, was also a student at his academy. So, eh, Ozpin breaking the rules, that just seems to sort of be par for the course. But uh, they did mention in Cinder's flashback episode that 17 is the point where she no longer needed her guardian's permission to do anything. So she could just fuck off, take the test, and go be a huntsman. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think I think that's where that came in. Yeah, Ruby had to get um, special permission in order to enroll. And also she was already in combat school and everything like that. I think if you're not already on track to go to one of the academies, yeah, you kind of have to wait until you can take the exams. I don't know. I'm making a lot of guesses about um, school <laughs> regulation in this world. Mark, Stacy, do you guys have any thoughts on what might be going on here? I think I, I think Katie's correct. I do recall Rhodes kind of mentioning something about not needing permission anymore. And I imagine with kind of the rules of Cinder's entire life and how she ended up in the circumstance she ended up in, one word from her so-called guardian that she did not agree with this choice and they would have dragged her back regardless of her opinion. Yeah. I, I think just she needed permission. Yeah, opinion makes it sound like she would have had a decision in the matter. But nah. <laughs> in <laughs> instead, here she goes killing again. <laughs> Look, when you find your one thing. Look, stepmother, I'm really good at killing people. See? <laughs> I just can't stop stabbing. <laughs> I can't stop this stabbing. Deep there's there's plenty of, of stuff. You. There's plenty of stuff that we can do for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it it just goes to show that like if literally any anybody had like if like Cinder could have gotten an in or or if somebody like like Oz randomly coming across Ruby Rose, if Cinder had been afforded that same opportunity, she might have been able to escape the hard life that she was living. But that didn't happen because that doesn't happen to everybody, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Some days you just stab your mentor. <laughs> oh, goodness. 
it do be like that sometimes. <laughs> All right, next question. I do miss my high school theater teacher, though. <laughs> That's a joke, oh, and I'm knocking no. on wood because I, I feel really say, bad about saying that. Remember the whole part about how we don't admit to murder on this podcast? I didn't admit to it. I just miss him. Yeah, that can mean anything. Sure. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally ambiguous and not suggestive at all. Yeah, no, I just miss <laughs> yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to the next question. This one is from Kenneth McCoy Torrance, uh, aka at Nerdy KMT. Did anyone else stop to think about Ironwood's semblance at all? Like, Winter had worked with him for years. There's no way she or the Aesops didn't stop to consider his semblance was causing him to make rash decisions. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Katie, you look like you have some thoughts on that. Cool motive. Still murder. <laughs> I, it, <laughs> this is a good question. This makes a lot of sense. I'm going to go ahead and go with, yes, they absolutely knew which means they probably also knew that they would have to have damn good reason to try to get him to change directions when his semblance would not allow him to do so, especially if it was a passive semblance, which there has been some contention on Twitter in comments, etc. We don't know if a passive semblance can be broken when an aura is broken. The argument being that if Crow could break his passive semblance when his aura was broken, he would break his aura all the damn time. So, yeah, if this is a passive semblance and it got kicked into gear and there's no breaking it until it just runs itself out, you deal with that. You have contingency plans. You understand that, hey, the boss is like this. And it's a physical thing and we can't change it. Like he went off the rails, like I said earlier, he went off the rails and his semblance kept him off the rails, which is why I think it took them so long to come around to, no, we really need to change this. No, we really need to do something. And knowing that that would put them in his semblance backed, unable to change crosshairs. Like I am sure that Winter knew. I would not be in any capacity surprised if the Aesops knew. I also wouldn't be surprised if they were the only ones who knew. But I doubt that his semblance was a surprise. And I doubt that that would have made any difference here. Like, you know it's his semblance that's causing it, but that doesn't mean that you can make him change course without kicking him in the face. Stacy, how about you? I don't know that I have a ton to add to that aside to echo what Katie said. Um, I do wonder whether they knew the full nature of what that semblance could mean or if it was generally presented as a, this means he's always steering the ship in the correct direction. Trust it. Uh, (laughs) No, no, straight up. Like they, they really, they could really only know as much as he told them. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I was just laughing at how Stacy phrased it and the tone of trust it. Like just chef kiss perfect. I, I feel like it's very likely that that is just no no no, you trust this, you trust this, you trust this. Keep trusting it. You you don't you don't agree, you don't think it's quite right. No, 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 just wait, wait and see. Everything will end up fine. And in the past it probably did end up fine often enough for them to be like, all right, yes, this might seem a little weird right now, but it's all going to be okay. Until it was very obviously not okay. Well, and I kind of want to throw on top of that, like, 
in the military, you don't question your commanding officer. Not without extremely good reason and the understanding that questioning your commanding officer or going against orders is the end of your military career and quite possibly a court-martial. Like, there's, there's more baggage to this because it's military and again i think it's one of those things where if you're in the military or if you have experience you understand it a lot more than someone whose only experience with the military is through the media so i kind of get get it on that level too but yeah i i agree with you like this is how it works don't question it this is how the magic happens and then it turns out it was terrible (laughs) mark how about you Straight up, like, I, I think all of this is along the lines of what I would say, too. Um, Ironwood, ultimately, you and people can come at it however they want to come at it. But we don't know. And we we are seeing what we are kind of allow, allowed to see. But in going along with how this person has been acting, then how how can it be any other way? Um, I, I, I legitimately think that Ironwood's thought of, well, nothing bad has happened when I've trusted this yet. And so he probably told people in confidence, this, this has always led me to do the right thing. So if I'm in a zone, trust it and it'll see us through. And that's part of the reason why Vine's reaction for the murder attempt was as overt as it was because like this this was a deep shattering of everybody's understanding of who they thought this man was and what he could be and then they saw the new version of what he could be iron daddy (laughs) (laughs) 2.0 it's like that what's the horror movie like i think there's like stepfather Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, there's one where the dad is a murderer. Upgrade is a good way to go, but that implies removal of agency. Um, Yeah. I also also like, Megan, your reaction was amazing because you were like, I know exactly what you're talking about. My reaction was going to be, you're going to have to be more specific. Apparently not. (laughs) It's like, no, I'm I'm good. I mean, same page, different book. (laughs) Um, I, to, to reiterate all of your points, um, I think it's kind of irrelevant, um, whether or not they knew about his semblance, um, because ultimately he's the person in authority. He's the person giving them orders. And as the, the Aesop's and Winter reiterated time and time again over the last couple volumes, um, they have their orders and they're supposed to follow them um, regardless of how they personally feel about what's, what's happening. Like it's, it's their job to follow the orders that this man uh, lays out. So whether or not his semblance has anything to do with that um, is supposed to be irrelevant to their job descriptions. Um, That being said, we as an audience also don't know, in the same way that we don't know whether it's a passive semblance or not, we also don't know what percentage of his actions are attributed to him using his semblance to double down and what percentage of it is just him making these decisions as a person. 
like we can guess, we can speculate, but ultimately we don't know. And again, it's kind of irrelevant because the fact of the matter is, is that he's making these choices that have terrible repercussions for the people around him. And because of the position of power that he's in, um, there are very few people willing to even try to stop him. Um, which again, the the reason for his actions, uh, though nuanced, um, again, ultimately irrelevant compared to um, how those actions are affecting people. Uh, again, cautionary tale. <laughs> uh, that being said, um, it it would be it would be cool to like learn more about his semblance. I I would need to check the the Ruby Guide um, to see if there's more information on it there because like just just passive semblances in general are very very interesting to me. So I'd love to learn more. This is our final question regarding um, all things Atlas, and this comes from Cody on our Discord. Where do you all see the remainder of the Aesops going from here now that two members are dead? Atlas and Ironwood are gone. Ooh, this is a good one. Um, and we've talked about the Aesops a lot in, um, in the pa- over the past couple of volumes. Uh, so yeah, where do they go from here? Let's start with Stacy. I see two perfectly good new members right there <laughs> on a ship with them. <laughs> it's it's a thing of like yeah so i know our group and our military and our everything were the ones that goofed but do you want to join us <laughs> oh no 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 this is robin adopting them into As children her yes yes <laughs> into the happy she, huntresses she's going to take care of them and also marrow yeah marrow yeah, could be a happy huntress sure why not <laughs> all inclusive but yeah i i do love the idea of like harriet being like i guess you guys can join the team and robin being like i'm not doing that and crow's like yeah no that's not no <laughs> that's not how this works you're not even using your semblance wow that's that hurts <laughs> yikes that is the truth on that uh, it's gonna be an interesting conversation so 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 we team it up now are we are we the aesops is that how this <laughs> No, Harriet, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> I I hope that the Aesops, you know, that we're able to dedicate some more time to the Aesops because I think we have been introduced to some very interesting personalities and we have really only gotten to see them kind of try as they try to break free of this very cohesive unit that they have been expected to work as. And so if we have the time to follow as they kind of branch out, um, which hopefully we will because Crow and Robin are still currently with them. Um, I think they're going to have a lot of learning about themselves to do and hopefully contributing to society in a meaningful way here. That's not just blindly following orders. It's going to be a world of firsts for them, namely making their own decisions. Oh, 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 burn. Katie, how about you? I have to follow that? (laughs) That burn? Yeah, no, uh, road trip for one. I I honestly don't have any theories too far into the future beyond the road trip because 
if we see it this coming season, which again, we don't know. We still have a bunch of people chilling on Yggdrasil slash Destiny Island slash whatever the hell that happens to be. So if we do get scenes with the road trip, with this very long flight to Vacuo, where they may or may not go pick up Pietro and Maria before they go, which I need them to do that, please and thank you. I think whatever team dynamic we see develop is going to start there. Because we have Harriet and Crow, who are both grieving over the death of a friend and a teammate, trying to figure out the how do you even handle this? How do you deal with the guilt aspect of things? And we have two parts of two very disparate groups trying to come together. And again, this is why I want them to pick up Pietro and Maria so they have some responsible adults on board. Because Robin is also a responsible adult, but she's not an adult that all of them will listen to. So we need to get some adultier adults <laughs> so we can get this conversation really going. And I need Maria to just start cracking heads together until people listen. Because she will. And it will be great. So yeah, that's not really an answer to the question, but it's what I've got. Mark, how about you? What's in store for the ASAPs? Look, I'm just surprised that nobody pointed out Stacy's amazing elm branching out pun which was phenomenal brilliant oh my god i can't believe i missed that <laughs> well played reading over there stacy yeah she's humming hakuna matata to herself but classy <laughs> but classily like musically um in terms opera. in in terms of the ace opera i i try <gasps> Tragic ending. Tragic ending. Um, I, I feel like regardless of what happens, I feel like a plane's going to land and the hatch is going to drop and we're going to know that they're la- like some sort of communication is going to happen where Uncle Crow's here or Crow and Robin are here or maybe it'll be from the perspective of the happy huntresses. Yeah, Robin's back, whatever. Plane lands, door, uh, the landing drops and so do all of the jaws because elm harriet and mara are gonna have completely new looks and it's gonna be like yeah we're on your team or maybe (laughs) somehow they've cobbled together um happy huntress uh jackets or like robin had an extra three or whatever Um, they're bedazzled denim (laughs) oh yeah they're bedenzled um I, so something like that. I, I feel like there's going to be some sort of a reveal where we are going to know right out the gate. These, while these are the same people that we're familiar with, they have had time to uh, let their past go and grow and become new people. And I think Marrow is the one of the three that I think is going to come into his own. And I'm excited to see that happen. I adore the idea of them, like, forming a new team where they're no longer the Aesops, but, like, whatever team they form, Marrow happens to be the leader because he was the first one to find, to, to listen to his conscience. And so it's like he can, he's proven himself to have, like, a moral fortitude <laughs> that they could all learn <laughs> from. Um so yeah, I, I love the idea of them forming another team. Um, I mean, the, in the immediate future, the, what's in store for them is a very awkward flight. Um, it, and uh, we'll talk about it more when we talk 
theories about volume nine, but it's entirely possible we'll get a time skip. Um, kind of like we got in between a little bit in between volume three and volume four, we could have a bit of a time skip where we get um, all new character designs for everybody because uh, some time has passed. Um, and yeah, in that time, I feel like it's their friendship that um, ultimately, I, as sad as it was, um, you know, Vine sacrificing himself um, for the sake of the people he cared about, um, as tragic as that was, ultimately their friendship is the only thing they have left. Their kingdom's gone. Um, their uh, Any semblance of authority is gone. Um, I highly doubt that winter is going to necessarily maintain the structure of the Elysian military. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what she does, but um, yeah, like the, their, their jobs are gone. Their homes are gone. Everything's gone. The only thing they have left is each other. And I think that is really a blessing. Like it's going to be hard uh, grieving, but they have each other to lean on. And um yeah, people like Crow and Robin to also grieve with and learn from as well. And circumstances are now completely different than they were in Atlas. Um, you know, they they went from, you know, having to to sort of protect and patrol um and maintain peace in Mantle and Atlas um to now having presumably going to vacuo and having the situation be completely different there. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust and um, ultimately whether or not they use this as an opportunity to grow. I hope that they do because I feel like we don't have a, like a story about friendship <laughs> in the way that we've had it with them where then they just all stop hanging out. <laughs> Like, I don't see that in their future. I feel like they're, it's going to be hard, but I feel like they'll come together and continue to try to do what's right, even if it's going to take some readjusting on their part in terms of how they go about determining what is the right thing to do. Because I feel like just following orders isn't really going to be up their alley in the future. Um, and that's going to be a hard adjustment to make. Um, to having to listen to their conscience instead of what somebody else tells them. So that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, I really hope we get those bedazzled denim jackets. <laughs> well, guys, we've been talking for quite a bit and we still have a number of questions that we have to work through. So guys, we are going to call it for the evening, but be sure to join us next week for part three of this Q&A extravaganza. In the meantime, Mark, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? Much like the rooms of our house, they're just, they never end. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Mark Bidonica. Still sort of getting everything organized here at the new apartment, but I'm probably going to start streaming this week as you're, if you're listening to this the day it comes out. So just make sure to, if you're not following me on Twitter to do so, or join the discord because that also has a lot of, that has a, like a selfless promotion area and 
things like that so follow there um also make sure to tune in if you are a one piece fan tune in to yayo talk show we have a new episode dropping this friday that covers the east blue saga so episodes one through 60 i think that was oh boy was that an episode to record um that is of course with friends of the show molly flood al mccullen jr and kaden jensen um we're it's the most chaotic one piece podcast you've ever heard. And the fact that the the show or the show, the manga is 1010 chapters in still going strong. And we're like, yeah, let's start one now. Very silly. <laughs> um, it's also really chaotic. If you are completely caught up to hear Caden make the predictions that she does, because she, just, I, it's, it's frustrating, <laughs> but it's but it's very entertaining to hear her just sort of spout off certain things. And then like Molly, Al and I just all sort of look at each other like, how did, where did she reach that end now? She, she just met this character and she's like, yeah, okay, well, this is going to listen, be, like listen to the show because we give her time at the end of the episode. So at, if you've already, if you, if you just want to hear like certain reviews and certain thoughts and things, you can get to that point. But if you're not completely caught up at the end of the show, we say, all right, it is time for Caden to theorize wildly. Let's hear, hear what she has to say. And she goes. So yes, that is on Twitter at Yayo Talk Show. It's all the show is on Anchor already. Um, we have one full episode up, and we also put up our just our theme song, which is a parody of the pirate rap from the four kids days of One Piece. So follow us at Yayo Talk Show and follow me at Mark B. Donica. Can I also just say that Yayo Talk Show is like the greatest name. <laughs> Al is a genius. We were just throwing, like I have the the image saved and I'm going to tweet it out one of these days of just, we're just throwing stuff out. Al lets it fly and we just go, that's it. Pack it up. We got it. Because from that, our logo was like, well, it's got to be the four kids logo. Um, uh, The theme song is like, well, we got to write a parody of the pirate rap. And, and so many things just fell into place. Al McClellan Jr., who is a, uh, a storyboard artist for Rooster Teeth, for uh, Camp Camp, for Red versus Blue? Uh, he is he is doesn't get enough credit. Oh, he also had a short um, when they were doing the um, the short film festival. It was oh god, um, I see the logo. God dang it, um, scale S C A L E scale. Go back and watch that if you didn't. It's the one of like the like the mice action like adventure giant lizards and things going off. But anyway, Al's a genius. Listen to Yayo Talk Show. Thank you, Stacy. Where can people go if they want to keep up with you? I'm Stacy Shuttleworth, and I have decided that I am dedicating my near future to really falling into the role of wandering the halls of our mansion with my <laughs> wavering candle because I'll just you know whisper ruby theories out into the void uh, <laughs> i think that's where i'll be for the next few weeks uh so that eh, you yes. want to be you want to be like the the heroine in a gothic novel in this mansion i i have I'm, always wanted that role i'm so jealous <laughs> that is the Damn most it. i could ask for <laughs> i will be in billowing white and various pastelly colors just haunting the halls is my calling oh i'm so jealous but you know what i'm also really proud of you for living your best life 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then on my occasional breaks, I will also continue um, practicing some truly ridiculous beading schemes that involve needles and thread uh, as I work through a Hades series of jewelry, uh, which has been real fun. And you can keep up with that uh, on my Twitter and Instagram at Stacy Shuttles. Um, you know, when I'm not whispering the most beautiful, haunting ruby theories you've ever heard into the void. <laughs> Can you whisper, bead, and walk at the same time? We're gonna find out. <laughs> when the candle starts floating on its own, <laughs> that'll bring up a hand. And... <laughs> uh, Katie, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? I mean, depending on which particular hallway you choose in this crazy-ass architecture, we probably do have that hallway with just the floating candle down at the end, <laughs> and then you go by it, and then there's the doorway that bulges outward as something on the other on the other side snarls, and that's the, uh, you know, I'm not going to make that joke. Uh, <laughs> Disney's going to sue us. Do your outro. It <laughs> was like Disney listens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reactions to Ruby, Rooster Teeth things, other various and sundry things, they live on that YouTube channel. I am also on an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast called On The Point. The season is coming back in two days and we're coming back at some point. <laughs> We're very excited and also very tired. But yes, there are plans in motion. It'll be a good time. And until then, I'll just be following Stacy, waiting for her to hand over something fully beaded so I can wear it. Because I love it. And I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where Katie and I talk about horror things. And I'm on a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link loves Lost, and I don't. And we talk about it. Be sure to follow the whole team here at the Rooster Team. As Mark said earlier, join our Discord. Uh, you guys can support us on T Public. They always do a ton of cool sales. Uh, we got some cool merch coming up, so keep an eye out on that. Uh, be sure to support our sponsor, Fred. He bakes dot com. Uh, thank you so much, Fred, for all you do. Thank you to everybody again. Um, iTunes, all all that jazz. Uh, engage with us on Twitter, social media. We we love you guys, and we've got one more announcement before we wrap it up for the night. As always, we end with the important things. We're still in a pandemic, so wear a mask. Anytime you go out the door, doesn't matter how long, doesn't matter how far. It protects you a little bit and other people a lot, and that's the point. So wear a mask, get vaccinated when you are eligible and when you are able as well. Support your essential workers, be kind to your essential workers, be patient with your essential workers. They don't get the option to stay at home, and they're also dealing with people who don't really see basic human compassion as a necessity. So, you know, be good people to them. They're people too. They deserve it. Yes. Fuck. Black lives matter. Black LGBTQIA lives matter. Black trans lives matter. Black lives matter. AAPI lives matter. That has not changed. That is not going to change. Contact your representatives. Let them know what you want. They're supposed to represent you. If you like what they're doing, tell them in detail. Be, be polite. Be specific. If you don't like what they're doing, tell them in detail. Be polite. Be specific. And then tell them what you want them to do. They're supposed to be representing you, and they can't represent you if they don't know what you want. 
So, contact them. Email, text, phone, fax if you're a fax person. It's all legitimate. Contact them and make sure when there is an election that you are eligible to vote in. For one, check your voter registration. And for another, make sure you do your research and vote. Because the change that you make at the local level can and does trickle up. So make sure that you are getting involved in your local elections. Make sure that you are voting when you are eligible and able to vote. Make sure you check your voter registration because they're shenanigans, y'all. And yeah, contact your representatives. Black Lives Matter. AAPI Lives Matter. Get vaccinated. Wear a mask. Take care of each other. Because that is the only way we're going to get through this is basic human compassion. Take care of each other. And remember that we love you. Thank you all so, so much for listening. This has been Ruby Redux, and now it's time to say goodbye. 